0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 95. Happy December, everyone. Today I'll be talking about the Christmas 1999 double murders of Stephen and Carla Barron. My sources for today's episode are Hom- Homicide for the Holidays, Season 1, Episode 4, titled A Christmas Morning Murder, KLTV.com, and OrlandoCentennial.com. As usual, all my sources will be linked in today's show notes. I'd love to get in my car and drive through Tyler on Christmas Eve. Where we live, Christmas is a big deal for us. Our house is completely decorated. It was a pretty quiet night, actually. It was really slow. They've been shot in their home. Are you calling from inside the house? I can't do it! When I got that call, I'm going, this is really not happening. Christmas time of all times to do this. This case takes place in Tyler, Texas, or Chapel Hill, which is near Tyler. The neighborhood in Chapel Hill, where Stephen and Carla Barron lived, took Christmas very seriously. However, the Barons' house remained undecorated because they were Jehovah's Witnesses and didn't celebrate Christmas. The Barons had been married for 18 years and had a daughter named Stephanie. They appeared to be a loving family, and the neighbors said they were always willing to help people. On Christmas Eve 1999, the Barons spent a quiet night together before bed. But at 4.20 a.m., Carla Barron's mom, Margaret, called 911. She said there had been a shooting at her daughter's house. Margaret handed the phone to Stephanie, and she began to speak to the dispatcher. I told them that an intruder came in and shot my mom and my dad while I hid in the closet. And I didn't know what to do. Then I ran out the back door to my grandma's house. I wasn't thinking about anything. so yes stephanie is interviewed in this episode she said she had run to her grandma's house which was next door the dispatcher told stephanie to stay on the phone until the police arrived the police arrived around 4 45 a.m and found the back door open stephen and carla were both shot and found in their bedroom there was no shooter still inside the house nothing was in the nothing in the house was out of place and no forced entry the police also noticed that there were no christmas decorations in the house Carla was laying on the right side of the bed on her back. She was still under the sheets and covers. She had been shot under her left eye, and the shot was at close range. She had also been shot in the left arm. Stephen was on the floor slouched over with his head leaning on the mattress. He had been shot in the back of the head and the neck area. It appeared as if the shooter had been standing on Carla's side of the bed. Stephen had been trying to get out of bed, and one of the shots had missed Stephen and went into the headboard. It didn't appear that Carla had even woken up from her sleep. Under the bed, the police found three firearms. All were loaded. The police believed that Stephen had been trying to get out of bed to get his gun. There was nothing out of place. The police found cash still inside the house, about $400 laying around. Once the first responders started showing up, the neighbors went to see what had happened. Margaret told them that she believed someone had broken into Stephen and Carla's home and they had been shot. The neighborhood was shocked. They described the Barons as fixtures in their church and very kind people. The forensics and crime scene units dusted the home for prints. And at first, Stephanie's room was also examined and nothing had been found. It was the room of a typical teenager. Clothes were everywhere and the bed was unmade. At the front of the home, the police found a phone box. Someone had tried to cut the phone lines. They were unsuccessful, but they were tampered with. Detective Joe Roscoe went to Margaret's home to speak with Margaret and Stephanie. He informed Stephanie that her parents were dead, and Stephanie appeared to be a lot younger than 17. remember when Detective Rasco came to see me. There were so many things going through my head, I'm scared. I said, Stephanie, I know you're upset, but I've got to tell you this, that your parents are deceased. Stephanie said the only thing she remembered was being woken up in the middle of the night. She said she heard four shots and hid in the closet. After the shots, it was completely silent. She took that opportunity to run to her grandma's home next door and notified Margaret. Stephanie said she never saw the shooter or looked in her parents' bedroom. When Detective Rasco returned to the Baron's home, he learned that the crime scene techs found something. In Stephanie's dirty clothes hamper, they found a gun. It was a 38 revolver. The gun had recently been fired because it smelled like gunpowder. It matched the number of rounds that had been fired at Stephen and Carla and it was clearly the murder weapon. Later, it revealed that it actually was the murder weapon. In the clothes hamper, there was also a laser sight that had fallen off the gun. Detective Rasko and a crime scene technician went back to talk to Stephanie. They wanted to do a gunshot residue test to rule her out. In Stephanie's bedroom, in her pictures, there were several photos of Stephanie and several males flashing gang signs. Stephanie had also written, I love D on her closet door. The gunshot residue test came back as negative which surprised Detective Rasko. The serial number on the gun was registered to Beth Little. Beth told the police that her gun had been missing since October when her house burned down. The TV had caught on fire while Beth was on vacation and caused a fire. Stephanie was asked to come into the police station for another round of questioning. Detective Rasco said the interview lasted about two hours. Stephanie was asked about her time at Chapel Hill High School in Texas stephanie was doing well and wanted to be an elementary school teacher but in the 11th grade she dropped out stephanie said carla had gotten a brain aneurysm from a tumor so stephanie dropped out to help her the tumor was removed and caused a stroke and carla had to relearn how to walk carla was also on medication which explained why carla may have not woken up during the shooting stephen was out of town a lot for work which stephanie said was hard on them and Detective Rasco discovered that Stephanie's boyfriend was a man named Denario Jones. He was one of the males in the photos with her in her room. I met Denario. When I first met him, I thought he was asking for my friend's phone number, but he was actually asking for mine. I just remember being kind of interested, being attracted to him. Stephanie said her mom had let Denario over to the house once, However, her parents ended up not approving. Stephanie said Steven didn't approve of interracial dating. Stephanie began to spend all her time with Denario without her parents knowing. Stephanie said she was in love with him and wanted to marry and have a family. After the interview, Stephanie went back to her grandma's house. Denario had a criminal history and was part of a gang. He became a suspect. Detective Rasco received a call from his lieutenant that someone was wanting to speak to him about the Barron murders. Detective Roscoe met this person at an Exxon gas station he This person brought up a house that he had been that had been set on fire. He knew that the woman's name was Beth and that she had a weapon that had killed the barons on october twenty fifth nineteen ninety nine Beth's neighbor Shelley Ray Haynes called nine one one The fire had spread next door to Shelley's house where she was with her young daughter. Shelley had passed out on the phone call, and her daughter was heard crying in the background. The fireman was able to get them out and rush them to the hospital, but they both later passed away. At the time of the investigation, the fire was ruled as accidental. Now the witness was telling De- Detective Roscoe that he knew who had set the fire. That person was Denario Jones. Detective Rasko spoke to the fire marshal and said that maybe the case was a murder, which he agreed. Denario was picked up at school to be questioned. He had an attitude and denied being involved in the Baron double murder. He claimed that someone else had done it. Denario was also confronted about the house fire. Denario claimed he needed money. He seemed to have no idea that the fire had caused a murder. He set the fire to erase his fingerprints. Denario was also asked about the 38 caliber gun he stole. He admitted to stealing the gun and that Stephanie had met met up with him later that night so they could look at the stolen items. Stephanie then asked if she could keep the revolver, which he let her. Denario was charged with arson and two counts of murder. His phone records proved that he was at his mom's house on the night of the Baron double murder, so he was ruled out of that crime. Stephanie again became the prime suspect. Stephanie's friends were interviewed. They said she had developed a wild streak in the last year. She'd become rebellious and didn't have a lot of friends at school anymore. I don't recall being mean. I didn't really hang around with a lot of girls and I felt probably like girls judged me. So I was around a lot of guys. After Stephanie started dating Denario, she left her mom home a lot, which made Stephen angry. Stephen wasn't home a lot as it was, which seemed to have affected Stephanie. Stephanie was hanging out and partying with her boyfriend and other male friends. It seemed like Stephanie, if Stephanie had done it, her motive was because of the rocky relationship with her parents. Detective Roscoe also discovered that Stephanie had been arrested on December 6th for writing bad checks. She had taken one of her parents' checks because she wanted to buy Denario a birthday present. Stephen was pissed and embarrassed that Stephanie had been arrested and was on probation. Stephen had let the police arrest Stephanie had her spend the night in jail and bailed her out to teach her a lesson. Stephanie was then forbidden to do anything. She could only leave the house to go to work. A warrant was obtained for Stephanie's arrest for the murder of her parents. A few months later in jail, Stephanie was being searched by a guard. The guard found a handwritten note in her bra. The note was basically a confession to what had happened at the Baron home. In the note, it said, Stephanie had woken up at 2 a.m., got dressed, put on latex gloves, went into her parents' room, and held the gun up and put the laser on. Stephanie said she closed her eyes and shot her dad in the back of the neck and her mom in the face. Stephanie said her dad was stumbling around, so she shot again. Stephanie said after the shooting, she went into her room, put her sweatshirt gun and laser in her hamper, and then ran to her grandmother's house. Stephanie insisted the note was a fake. She had found it in her cell, stuck it in her bra, and wanted to show her attorneys. Stephanie said the person that wrote the note was Denario's ex-girlfriend's sister-in-law. It appeared as if the note wasn't in Stephanie's handwriting, but the inmate who had written it told the police another story. She said Stephanie had the inmate copy the original note so it wouldn't be in her handwriting. The note had only details that the killer would know, and the inmate had been incarcerated at the time of the murders and couldn't have been the murderer. On October fourth, 2000, Stephanie agreed to plead guilty to avoid the death penalty. She was sentenced to 75 years in prison. Stephanie has never admitted to why she killed her parents. In November 2000, Denario was sentenced to 70 years for murder and arson. He wasn't charged in connection with the Barron murders. Stephanie will be eligible for parole in December 2029. Sheriff J.B. Smith wrote a book about the case titled The Christmas Day Murders, a true crime chronicle Texas style. The ratings have been anywhere from 3.3 on Goodreads to a 5 on Amazon. Support for the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code O'clock at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 14 million balls. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Lawn Mower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The lawn mower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000k LED spotlight you need more if you need more of a precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? Their Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which also helps reduce the nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level. My husband loves the boxers, and I have ended up sealing the travel bag to use for extra storage. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CrimeOclock. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CrimeOclock at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CrimeOclock. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped. I don't think Stephanie has told the whole truth about what had happened. I think she was fed up with her parents' rules and killed them instead of maybe asking if she could move out or in with her grandma. That didn't seem to be an option, though, and it was Stephanie's way or no way. My book recommendation for this week is The Sleepover by Carrie Beavis. Summary. When you're a kid, you imagine monsters to have horns and fangs. That they hide under the bed or in the wardrobe and you believe they can only come after you when it's dark. You don't expect them to look like everyday people or that they may be someone you already know. The summer in question started out with hot, fun-filled days and new friendships. We had just turned 13 and had our whole lives ahead of us, but that was before her. Before we became known as the Hickston Five and our lives became defined by one night. It's hard to believe 20 years have passed since she was locked away. By now she's free and strange things have started to happen. When I close my eyes, the creeping anxiety and fear is overwhelming and all too real because the monster is back and I know she has a score to settle with us. This book was truly, really good. The Hickston Five are now adults and barely keep in touch. The only two friends to actually still be close are Hannah and Rosie. The book mostly follows them as they cope with learning that the monster from their past, Miss W, has been released from prison. The book goes back and forth between what happened when they were young to the present day. I definitely give this book nine out of, a 9 out of 10 because it kept me guessing through the whole thing. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at somewhere at com, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a 5-star rating and review. I'll be back next week with an all-new case in book recommendation, and remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere.